0: Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Today I'm going to talk about prosperity. And prosperity has gotten a bad rap over the years in in the church world, and rightfully so. Um, oh, by the way, let's pray for, we got a lot of people, we've got family traveling, we, uh, half of our, our staff is traveling right now, and so Memorial Day, we pray for safety and the angels of God to cover every one of us, amen? A lot of ministry has used the truth of prosperity as a gimmick to get money from you. Tiz says it all the time, God's not trying to get money from you, he's trying to get money to you. Now, like we said at the beginning, in ancient Jewish wisdom, there's no word for coincidence. It's not a coincidence that As we go into Pentecost, Shavuot, next week, um, we've just ended the seven churches of the book of Revelation, and the last church we did was the church of Laodicea. How many remember that? Laodicea was the last church. Laodicea was uh, the lukewarm church, the disgusting church, the church that makes God sick. Because God had made them wealthy. God had given them wealth. They did nothing with it. But the end of that is an an amazing story, is that that church, remember at the end of every one of the churches, God says, those who have ears to hear or eyes to see, let them hear, let them see what the Spirit is saying to the church. And the church of Laodicea heard it. They heard it. And they ended up being salvaged. They ended up being, instead of the disgusting church, the lukewarm church, the church that made God sick, they became the redeemed church. And they became the head of Christianity in Asia for around 160 years. And so here we're talking about uh, what caused them to have their problems and almost fall was that... It wasn't morals, it wasn't doctrine, it wasn't uh, uh, failure in leadership. It was they were blessed and they forgot to give God all the praise and all the glory. And they forgot to do something with it. Here we are going into Pentecost next week, Shavuot. This is where Malachi says, I'll open the windows of heaven. Three times a year we come before the Lord. We know that. We'll teach a little bit on it next week. And during this time, God pours out a special blessing that is increased more during this time of the open windows of heaven than any other time. On Passover, he pours out a special blessing. On Shavuot, Pentecost, he pours out a special blessing. And on Feast of Tabernacles. These are the windows of heaven. And on Pentecost, God pours out mainly, and, and he does this all the rest of the year, but on Pentecost, this is amplified. God pours out the anointing of wisdom and the anointing of financial blessings. Amen. Now, God will add to that. But when we come before the Lord on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all there in Jerusalem bringing their Pentecost offering, God determines our finances for the whole rest of the year. Yeah. Next week, God will, God will say, here's what I'm going to do in your life according to our obedience for the whole rest of the year now he'll multiply that he'll add to that as as we have a chance to do good deeds and take care of widows and orphans and do all those he'll multiply it. but the main decision for next for the rest of the year comes next week but it's not just about finances it's also about the power of the holy spirit So the name of this message is Wisdom and Wealth. They go hand in hand. Now, our main scripture is going to be Deuteronomy chapter 8, but I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. And I'm going to take a little time to read some scriptures because I think it's so important that we hear what God is saying. The last thing that Jesus said to the disciples, to the church is, I command you, don't you leave until you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the last thing that Jesus said. Now, I'm gonna be ridiculous here, but why is it so important that we receive the Holy Spirit? Now, look at me a second. Jesus said, I must go. I must go. They said, Lord, no, don't go. He said, no, I must go. He said, I am with you, but when I go, I will send someone who is identical to me, and I am with you, but he will be in you. The same anointing that's in Jesus will be in us, and he will lead you And guide you and teach you and show you things to come 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 now I was telling the guys in the back I was telling Tiz this morning I said that when we get through the summer of miracles and and we're going to start a season of every service we're going to pray for miracles in people's lives I I feel like I want to do a series I feel like the Lord's leading me to do a series on the prophets and because not only will there be, in the last day, signs, wonders, and miracles, but there's going to be the gifts of the Spirit, and we need to learn how to prepare as the prophets did. Signs, wonders, and miracles, gifts of the Spirit, and the end-time transfer of wealth. These things are all synonymous, and God's going to show us something amazing today. All right? Read with me in Leviticus chapter 23, 1 through 4. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them the feast of the Lord. Now, the reason I'm reading this is because when we first started teaching on Jewish roots and the feast of the Lord 28 years ago, most pastors that I talked to would say to me privately, Pastor Larry, but these are Jewish feasts. They, these are Old Testament feasts. They have nothing to do with us. Now, remember, the Lord said, my people, those who love me, those who pray to me, those who believe in me, my people destroyed for what reason? Lack of knowledge. If we don't know that three times a year God opens the windows of heaven, the word window is the word in Hebrew you showed, a funnel from the throne of God to your life, to everything you need. If we don't know that, then we don't receive that blessing and then that window shuts. So most of the time people say, well, these are Jewish feasts. These are Old Testament feasts. Look what it says. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations These are my feasts. That word convocation means a holy rehearsal. And that holy rehearsal has been going on for thousands of years until the coming of the Messiah, when it won't be a periodical sprinkle of God's blessings. Before the coming of the Messiah, we will live under open windows of heaven Every moment of every day. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. amen. Look what he says. These are my feasts. Yeah. These are not and, and, and I want to say this because I don't want anybody to say it. yes, they are were first given to the Jewish people, but because of Jesus, we've been grafted in. We've been adopted, and we who believe in Jesus, Abraham is our So the Lord is making, they are the Jewish feasts, but the Lord is making a statement to the Gentile world. He's saying, these are not feasts that I just gave to bless the Jewish people. These are my feasts. These are mine. Look what he says. Six days you shall shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it on the Sabbath, the Lord in your dwellings, these are the feast of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. Yes. Yes. Is there not an appointed time? Yes. We can't just say, okay, um, we're going to receive a first food offering, it's January. That's not when you receive the first food offering. You receive these offerings at these appointed times. Now, let me just throw a side note in. It's not in my notes, but just a side note. Pentecost, Shavuot, is the only feast that isn't given a date. There's a date for Passover. There's a date for Rosh Hashanah. There's a date for Yom Kippur. There's a date for Sukkot. There's a date for Feast of Tabernacles. Pentecost doesn't have a date because Pentecost means 50. 50. And so Passover, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, has a date. And Pentecost is 50 days after that. 50 days after that. Okay? Now this is why I'm going to read something here. The Bible says, count for yourselves 50. Now look at me. 50 is a jubilee. There are, I told Tiz I didn't know if I'd go there. There are There are 50, in ancient Jewish wisdom, there are 50 levels of wisdom. Even Moses didn't hit 50. When you're counting these seven weeks, you only count to 49, and then supernaturally, God takes you into Jubilee where he sets the captive free. He cancels all your debts, and he brings you a new beginning. Amen. Now, this happens at this time every year, but I declare prophetically, in what we're seeing happening in the world bible prophecy almost every day in the world guys we are ready to go into something that we have never seen before and a part of that is the end time transfer of wealth can i have an amen all right now jump to leviticus 23 verse 9 and i'm just wondering so you can see these things and the lord spoke to moses saying speak to the oh and by the way Shavuot, the fifty days, is mentioned fifty times in the Torah. There's a whole revelation. I might teach it next week. I don't know how deep I want to go with you on this. But folks, we're living in we're living in amazing times. And the Bible says in the last days, the eyes of the Gentiles will be open and we'll begin to understand things that we've never understood before. Wealth and wisdom go hand in hand. That's why we teach these. All right, I'm feeling myself go that way and I want to go. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land. Now I want you to see this. Most of you know this, but I want you to see this. This is is so powerful. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. This is Pentecost, this is Shavuot. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. We'll do this on Sunday. And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf. A male lamb of the first year without blemish, a burnt offering before the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah, of fine flour mixed with oil, a wheat offering, fine flour mixed with oil. I'm going to explain that. An offering made by fire. Let me ask you a question. What does oil represent in the Bible? The anointing. Very, who said that? Yay, very good. Okay, so wheat represents finances. Oil represents the anointing. We're going to find out, are we anointed by God to increase our finances? You shall eat neither bread nor parched You shall eat neither bread, nor parched grain, nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God, and it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in your dwelling. And you shall count for yourselves. And you shall count for yourself. Now, let me stop right there. It doesn't matter... If I'm counting, you know, we just had, last Sunday, we had two members of, uh, of, uh, Israeli government to our house for dinner. And, uh, we stopped and, and we, I said, well, it's almost time to count the Omer. And they said, oh, it's always, Pastor, you're always reminding us. You're always reminding us. I tell everybody, my pastor reminds me of, uh, of these things. You shall count for yourself. So from the day of Passover, till next week we're counting for ourselves 49 days let me say it the way it says it in hebrew turning the words around make these days count make these days count you're going to understand this what's happening is they are leaving egypt and they're getting ready to enter in to a covenant with god they are leaving the slave mentality of trusting the government. They are leaving the slave mentality of trusting the government and they are making a journey. It's called counting up. But God says, Count for yourselves. Make these days count. From Passover, from freedom, from deliverance, from salvation, leaving Egypt. The word Egypt means boundaries or limitations. The world, especially the government that we have right now, is trying to make you depend on them. But you got to picture Israel, the Israelites. 400-plus years of being involved with Egypt. And God says, I want you to count seven weeks, seven times seven, seven Sabbaths, seven freedoms, and go from a slave mentality of, oh, I wish we just would let the government give us leeks and garlic to a child of God mentality that we know it's not Washington, D.C. that's Jehovah-Jireh. It is Almighty God that is Jehovah-Jireh, our provider. That is the purpose of counting for yourselves. Make these days count. They're leaving the slave mentality and going into a joint heir with the Messiah mentality that God is God. And you notice it's not 10, 9, 8. It's not counting backwards. It's counting up. It's it's called making aliyah, making up. When when you're in a synagogue and you go from the congregation and you come up to the bimah and you read the word of God, that is being aliyah, that is rising up. When we bring people out of Ukraine, Jews out of Ukraine that are fighting for their lives, we get them to Israel. That's called Aliyah, counting up. God wants us between Passover, let's say between now and next week, to realize it is God who is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and I'm not going to trust in this world, but I'm going to trust in Almighty God. Can I have an amen? Amen. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. The first question I want to ask you, preparing for the open windows of heaven, is Is it okay for us to desire prosperity? Now, once again, um, once again, prosperity has been abused. You know, if you give $99 for 99 years, then Psalms 99 will release 99 blessings. I'm not saying that's not true, but I'm saying a lot of times preachers have used these things for a gimmick. If you look at Malachi, when God says, I'll open you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. If you look at Malachi close enough, and we might talk about it next week, Malachi is actually talking about the time of the second coming of the Messiah, not the first coming, because he says, I will come suddenly to my temple. But before he opens the windows of heaven, he says, I will judge the priesthood on how they take an offering. I can take the word of God and twist it and trick people into giving. But when we look at God's way of doing things, it's not a gimmick, but it is a revelation that causes the open windows of heaven. And folks, this is happening in these last days. All right, read with me. Is it okay to desire? Prosperity. We all know this scripture, but it's such a powerful one. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him, to reverence him, to be in awe by him. For the Lord your God is bringing you, is bringing you. Everybody say is. He is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water. Let, let me back up let me back up we just read in Leviticus chapter 23 and the Lord says when you come into a land when you come into the land bring with you an offering of your harvest where was Israel for 40 years before they got into the land the desert so they're in the desert how are they eating what was it manna Manna. they're not harvesting they're not planting they're not sowing so yet god says when he's talking about the first fruits and the open windows of heaven the lord saying these are my feasts and then he goes right into saying now when you come into the land bring with you a first fruit offering rabbis will tell you this is not a scripture for jews it's a scripture for gentiles that in the last days, our eyes will be open, and we're going to come back to our Jewish roots. We're going to come back to Israel. We're going to come back to Jerusalem. And God says to you, when you come in, they, they, couldn't, bring a, they couldn't bring a harvest from the desert. They weren't planting. So God says when you come into the land, when we're returning to Israel, when we're returning to Jerusalem, when we're returning to a Jewish Jesus and a Jewish Moses and a Jewish revelation of what the word of God says and the open windows of heaven, he said when you come back, and and some of you may be hearing this watching around the world for the first time, you're coming back today. You're making that aliyah. To the land of israel so this the rabbis will teach when you hear this scripture when you come back when you come to the land bring it he's talking to us because these are not just jewish feasts these are feasts for everyone who knows that they are the feast of the lord Does that make sense See, it's amazing because, you know, some of you have been around this with us for years and years, but many people, I remember Scotty and I were talking, we were doing a television program somewhere in another state, and uh, one of the the, the couple that was hosting it uh, after I was done teaching, they said, we've never heard this stuff before. They said, you know, uh, everything we've been teaching is a mile wide and an inch deep said, man, God's got, some, God's got some interesting stuff for us. I had one guy in Washington, a great pastor, say to me, is there any more of this Jewish stuff in the Bible? <laughs> and I said, yeah, a few things. There's a few things in there. <laughs> Look what it says here, Deuteronomy 8, verse 6. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord God... Uh, uh, to walk in his ways and to fear him for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land now here they are coming out of the desert he is bringing you into a good land a land of brooks of water of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and the hills now now think about the Lord telling us he said listen you've just come out of the desert where water has to come out of a rock He said, I am bringing you into a land that water will be everywhere. Water's going to be everywhere. Amen? Look what he says. now. They've been living on manor for 40 years. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, of pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, Katie's Having a, a condo built, and so she's been living with us, and I told her, "I can't wait till she moves out. I'm tired of eating salad." You know, Katie's picking something up. Tacos salad. I feel like a rabbit. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees of pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. Let me throw in something for us: a land in which you'll have plenty of baby food formula. On, we, we, you got to leave Egypt, that right. Egypt. Right. and that land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack. Nothing. Say it. Nothing. A land whose stones are iron, and out of hills you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are full, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now, I'm sure I know I've told you this, or we've talked about it, but every Christian knows to pray over their meal before they eat. But the greatest blessing is praying over your meal after you eat. Because when you're hungry, oh, God help me, but when you're full... It's a danger to forget God. Are you hearing me? So there actually is a, a, a prayer that you say after you eat. That, this is what he's talking about. When you have eaten and are full, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land in which he has given you. Why are you blessing him after you eat? Remembering it's him who filled you. America needs to remember that. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, now look at this, and have built beautiful houses, and you dwell in them. In other words, you're not building beautiful houses for somebody else, you're building your own beautiful house. See, I didn't get much of an amen there. I, I didn't get, and you know why? Because we feel guilty about wanting things. Come on. That's a Christian thing. That's a vow of poverty thing. That's a, you know, when I first got saved, I was, we were taught that you're either a kingdom builder or a city dweller. You're either building the house of God or you're building your own house. Of course, the guy who taught us that we found out later had land all over the world because we were paying him our tithe and he was keeping it. Oh, don't shout me down now. Cause I'm close to where you used to live. You know, that all comes from the Catholic Church. That's where it started, the Catholic Church. Have anybody ever been to the Vatican? They got paintings that nobody gets to see except men walking around in dresses worth millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Shame on them. If it's okay for them to be blessed, it's okay for you to be blessed. I, I, I'm, I'm going over to the... Uh, where am I? Verse 12, when you have eaten her full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them... i got to hurry. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiply... Now, I looked up in Hebrew, silver and gold. You know what it actually means? Silver and gold. <laughs> when your silver and gold multiply. See, I'm, it, it's, what does amen mean? So be it. When your silver and gold multiply. See, that's that religious spirit. Teacher, pastor. That's you know, I, I, we had a guy back in in Portland, and unfortunately, he only came to the church for uh, a few months, and then he moved his company to California, out of Oregon. And he, we we pulled in one time, and there's a Rolls Royce in the parking lot. Now, a lot of our people, most of our people, were ex drug addicts and off the streets, and and gangbangers, and all this stuff. And we pulled in it, it was unusual to see a Rolls Royce in our and he told me, he said, is it okay? He said, it's the only car I have. And I said, Yeah. If you let me drive it. And he said, I, I, we went to other churches and they would give me a dirty look. I would that our parking lot was full of Rolls Royces. Or how about we start where at least your car is paid for. And its main color is not bondo. Right? Look, look, you've heard me say this a thousand times. Years and years ago, one of my favorite people in all of golf is Lee Trevino. Everybody knows Lee Trevino from Dallas, right? From Texas, a a Hispanic golfer, world champion golfer. And I saw a commercial years and years and years ago, and and somebody's putting his clubs in the back of his Cadillac or Mercedes or whatever it was. And he said, you know, when I was a caddy, as close as I got to a Cadillac was putting somebody else's clubs in their Cadillac. And then he said, I started playing golf, and I thought, you know what? Somebody's going to win. Might as well be me, right? Okay, is that, is that, is that correct? Somebody's going to win golf? Somebody's going to win the, the, the tournament? L- let's put it this way. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area this year, somebody's going to become debt-free. Is that a true statement? Is that a true statement? Well, if somebody is going to be debt free, might as well be me. Somebody's going to double their income. Is that, is that a true statement? Okay, might as well be you. Now, the reason I'm taking so long on this is the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And let that man think when he prays, he receives anything. So if we think, if we're praying, well, God, I need my bills paid. No, you don't need your bills paid. You need to be debt-free. I need to be debt-free. We need to have not, you know, in in, in Egypt, they had barely enough. Right? In the desert, they had just enough. But God's saying, I'm taking you into land where you'll have more than enough. Right? Okay, this is in there for for our edification. When all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now this is so important. This is so important. Let me let me finish it. I, I could. I've got to get into the meat of this. Who led you through the great terrible wilderness? Who fed you in the world. Jump down. Jump down to verse seventeen. Then you say in your heart, "My power, my might, my hand have gained me this wealth." Don't do it. Listen to me. Look at me. Without God, you can make money. But there's a wealth that comes from the Lord and brings no sorrow with it. There's a lot of ungodly people that are wealthy. But I'm going to tell you something, sorrow comes with it. Sorrow comes with it. But when we understand that our wealth doesn't come from Egypt or doing it the Egyptian way or doing it the way of the world, our wealth comes from God, then not only do we have the wealth, but we have the joy and the peace and the happiness that comes with it. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, it is he. That gives you power an anointing to gain wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is of this day. Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Now, let me say this very quickly because I really want to get into the meat of this revelation that God gave me. This is a warning all the time. Tiz and I have been in the ministry for a long time. And we have seen many, 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 many people come in off the streets, living in their car, homeless, all kinds of situations. And they follow the teachings that God gives us, and they build a business, and it takes off, and we have seen so many times those people all of a sudden not in church, not serving God, not living for God, not sowing their seed, not tithing, and the next thing you know, backslid, marriage falls apart, children in trouble, all kinds of things, okay, this has happened all over the world. But in these last days, here's what God is doing. He's, the eyes of the Lord are watching us. And he's looking, and he will, he will... You know, so many times we hear that the teaching on prosperity is evil... If prosperity was evil, God would not give you the power in your hands to gain wealth because God will tempt no man with evil. Does that make sense? Now, you got to have that solid before we can go anywhere. You got to have that solid. God gives us the power in our hands to gain wealth, right? In these last days, it's going to be, like nothing we've ever seen before god will use his children that are doing what he tells us to do as an example to the world of him being jehovah jireh our provider now so god's looking at us right now and he says can will i be able to trust you if he what's more important you having uh being debt-free, having a nice home, driving a nice car, making a nice income, or making heaven your home. Making heaven your home. But you can have them both. But if God looks, and he knows everything, that if he blesses us financially, we will stop serving God, he'll hold that blessing back. Right? Right? There was a time that Tiz and I invested in the Bowflex company when the Bowflex company was first starting. And we made barrels of money. I mean, millions. We made millions. And I told Tiz, I said, I'm leaving the ministry. God said, I'll fix that. In one airplane flight from Venice to France, we lost everything. I said, you know what? I'm going to stay in the ministry. (laughs) And Lord, if you give me millions again, I'm staying in the ministry. Are you hearing me? If God gave you so much money, it's not a coincidence. We just studied the church of Laodicea where they said we have so much, we don't need anything anymore. Let me tell you something. The more God gives you, the more you need to give him all the praise and all the glory, amen? All right, now look at what it says here. Let me go to this real quick. It says, I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. Wealth is not handed to us. This is where the prosperity message has been off. If you, you have to sow. You have to sow to get a harvest, that, uh, right? Absolutely. But no farmer just buys the land, throws the seed out, and sits on his blessed assurance <laughs> and waits for the crop to grow, the weeds to die, the fertilizer, the pick, the take it in, the selling. In Egypt, they just gave them the leeks and garlic. But God says, I'm not talking about leeks and garlic. I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. This is why the Lord says, I will bless everything you put your hands to. Wealth in these last days is not just going to, you know, the windows of heaven open up, Ed McMahon shows up and says, you've won you've won, whatever that is that Ed McMahon used to do. I hope that happens. Or, you know, you buy a lottery ticket. rabbi lapin taught in one of his books he said this is the way it's been since the beginning of time and we've got to understand this about the prosperity understanding since the beginning of time the caveman would wake up the caveman would go kill something the caveman would drag it back the caveman would would light fire and the caveman would eat but you got to get out of bed Nobody owes you anything. On, on, Nobody owes me anything. Nothing. But everything I put my hands to, God will cause it to prosper. I got I to go quickly. Thomas Edison said opportunity is missed by most people because it's disguised in work clothes and work. 80% I, don't, don't quote me on this I heard something a, a couple of weeks ago and I think I got it right 80% of people today in America that are out of work is because they don't want to work I think a lot of Christians don't read the book of Job because they think it's the book of Job You know, the good news is, if you want to work, people want to hire you. If you want to work, don't tell me, oh, there are no jobs, there are no jobs. Everywhere you go, we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring. Why? Because people today think something is going to be handed to them. The only problem with that mentality is, pretty soon, people with money run out of money, and then where are you? God says, I give you the power in your hands to gain wealth. Okay, number two, and I got to go through this. Number three, number uh, I got to go through this real quickly. Do you want more wealth? See, you got to answer. You you have not because you ask not. Do you want more wealth? See, if I would say to you, how many wants the whole world to get saved? Every oh yeah, yeah, oh Jesus. How many want more wealth? Because we're taught somehow that wealth and spirituality are not synonymous. But we're going to see today that it is absolutely synonymous. There is nothing wrong with wealth. How many of you have debt? How many would keep serving God if your debt was gone? Sleep better? Right? Do more, give more, help more. Wealth is not wrong. Wealth is just in the wrong hands. So let's look at real quick. We're going to have to go through this real quick because it's very, very fascinating. Let's look at from Passover to Pentecost, Shavuot, the journey of prosperity. We talked about the slave mentality, but what we need to understand is why, why did God not just say, okay, you're out of Egypt, boom, here's Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And that's the case in a lot of Christians. We're we're set free because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, but we're still thinking the way the world thinks. And we see this. let, Let me show you that. We see this amazing revelation in the book of Exodus. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 32. You know... You know what? Instead of reading it, when you, when you get a chance, read Exodus 32, 1 through 10. I'm running out of time. But here's an, amazing, here's an amazing revelation Exodus 32 is the story of the golden calf. Okay? Now, when Israel left Egypt, when Israel left Egypt, what did they go out with? All the gold and all the silver. That's where all the golden rings and golden earrings and everything came from for the golden calf. Now, look at me. This was the very first end time transfer of wealth. But the problem was, as God gave, when they're leaving, you know, they were slaves. They didn't have gold earrings and gold bracelets or anything like that. They didn't have any of that. Now, let me show you an amazing revelation that if you'll get this, it'll prepare you for the journey of prosperity. They're leaving, and the people say, take, take our gold, take our silver, take our, take our clothes here, take this, take that. They're, they're, they're leaving. God says we'll have favor with God, but we'll also have favor with men. Yeah. Yeah. Your boss will go, you know, i got to lay people off, but I'm giving you a raise. I'm giving you a bonus, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. And we see that all the time. But the problem was they were out of Egypt. They had the first end-time transfer of wealth, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And so Moses is up on the mountain. i got to say it real quick. Moses is up on the mountain, and he doesn't come down exactly when they think he ought to come down. So when he does come down, what have they done with the wealth that God put in their hands? I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. What did they do with it? They did what the world did and made a golden calf. Now, here's the amazing revelation out of this, and I don't want to get too deep. And You know, it, 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 the, the, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing revelation. If you, if you go back to Exodus 19, 20, 21, 22... Moses is getting the commandments. He's getting the covenant of God for the children of Israel, and then he comes and he, God is telling Moses, "Here's how I want the people to live. Here's what I want them to do. Here's how how to live. Here's how to act. Here's how to treat each other. Here's how to give. Here's how three times a year you come before the Lord and you don't come empty handed." He's telling them, "And now I want you to build me. I, I love these people so much. I want you to build me a mishkan, a, a tabernacle that I can live with them." And he says, here's the altar, and here's the table of showbread, and here's this, and here's that, and here's the other thing. Mm -hmm. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. And then, boom, right in the middle of that, God puts the story of the golden calf. Why would God, in the middle of all this phenomenal stuff, and then God throws in the story of the golden calf... And then goes on on building the the temple of God. Why would God do that? Because he's telling us, when I give you the power in your hands to gain wealth, do not act like the Egyptians you came from, but act like the children of God and the temple of God and the house of God because I will dwell with you and I will give you power in your hands to gain wealth. The mistake of that is 40 years delay. 40 years delay. Now, let me just throw this in. I was going to read the whole thing. It's a fascinating teaching tied in with this, but let me just paraphrase it because I only have seven minutes. Ancient Jewish wisdom, one of the leading rabbis would say if you want wealth, you pray towards the north because that's where the golden table is. If you want wisdom, you pray to the south because that's where the menorah is, the light of God's anointing and wisdom. So if you want to pray to the, you want wealth, pray to the north in the, in the house of God. If you want wisdom, pray to the south but one of the greatest rabbis ever says may i disagree there's nothing wrong with praying for wealth nothing wrong with praying for wealth we've discovered that right we found out god gives us power to gain gain wealth beloved i would above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul your wisdom So he said, there's nothing wrong with praying to the north, praying to the golden table, praying towards the golden table for wealth. But he said, there's a better way. There's nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, you have not because you ask not. But there's a better way. He said, I believe what God is saying is you always pray towards the menorah. You always pray for wisdom because when you have wisdom, then... God gives you everything else along with it. Look at this. It says in, go to Psalms three. Okay. You've got to see this because, because I mean, this is a great teaching any other time of the year, but this is the time in which Shavuot Pentecost wisdom and prosperity, Wealth and wisdom are synonymous. Look at Psalms chapter three. No, let me skip that. It's too long. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Okay, all right, I'm, I'm sorry. We're gonna, go to, we're gonna go to Proverbs three and then Kings three. I'm gonna skip the uh, Proverbs three. Look at Proverbs 3. The rabbi said, when you pray, always pray for wisdom. Because when you have wisdom, you have everything. Now think about that being tied in, what Jesus said, do not leave. Don't you, I command you, don't you leave until you get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just so that we fall down and pile up on each other. Amen. Say amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is not just that we go Shandala, bay, 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 bay. Okay, I, I, I have no problem with any of that But if that's what it was Jesus would have never commanded us The last thing he's saying The last thing he's saying Don't leave until you get the Holy Spirit The rabbi of ancient, ancient, ancient Jewish wisdom Says there's nothing wrong with praying for wealth But there's a better way pray for wisdom and then he quotes king solomon in proverbs chapter 3 who was the wisest man that ever lived look at proverbs 3 verse 13 happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding her proceeds wisdom Amen. proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot be compared. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is like a tree to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. How many want wealth? Absolutely. If you didn't raise your hand, liar, liar, pants on fire. If you say, well, pastor, I have so much wealth, I don't need any more. You've not been tithing. There's nothing wrong with praying for wealth. But ancient Jewish wisdom says there's a better way. Pray for wisdom because in wisdom, he will lead you he will guide you he will show you where to get a new job where to invest your finances what to do here what to do there he will lead you and guide you and show you and teach you things to come let me give you an example back in portland uh, we knew we had to build a new church. We were we were at five thousand people. We were kicking out the doors, and and so we would go and look at different buildings and lay hands on them and speak in tongues and claim them, and it'd fall through, fall through, fall through. And one day we're saying, God, show us, show us what to do. And one day I'm driving down and I see this this field that used to be a a, a, um, a nursery. Uh, and it was all overgrown, weeds and everything. And, and, I, and I saw a sign, and, and I looked at the sign, and behind the sign it said for sale, but it was all covered with weeds and trees. And I pull into this dirt road, myself and one of the guys on staff, this dirt path in my car, and, and there's a big buck, a big buck laying on the road. And I said, well, this is a sign from God. <laughs> Me without a gun. And God said, buy that. This is it. And we felt it. So we, we bought it, and I think we paid $4 million for it. A month and a half later, two months later, the city of Portland put a landlock on how far the city could go. And that land jumped from $4 million to, what was it, Lauren, $13 million, $15 million, $16 million, something like that and we ended up selling off the land to Honda Corporation part of it cuz we didn't need it 84 acres we didn't need it all and we were when God spoke to us to move to Dallas we were 12 million into that thing totally debt free with money in the bank uh, a miracle of God that's the holy spirit he will lead you and guide you and teach you and show you things to come do you understand all right let me let me go through this 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 very quickly in when you get a chance, because I'm just going to paraphrase it, it's a great reading. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 and 14. We know that Solomon, the wisest man in all the earth, is just become king. I'm closing with this. He's just become king, and he has a dream where the Lord comes and visits him. And the Lord says to him, Ask me whatever you want. Now, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? The Lord come to you and say, ask me whatever you want. What would you ask him? Well, you know the answer, but I was leaning towards a Bentley, but that's all right. right. So can you imagine that? The Lord comes to Solomon, the greatest king in the history of the world. And he says, ask me anything and it's yours. He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for long life. He could have asked for military power to guard his people from the enemy. He could have asked for strength. He could have asked for anything. What does he say to God? I want one thing. Wisdom. And what is God's response? Not only will you be the wisest man ever but because you asked me for wisdom, I'm going to give you all these other things too. That's why the Bible says, with all you're getting, get wisdom and get knowledge. Next week is Shavuot. It's Pentecost. Next week is the day we celebrate when they were one mind and one accord in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit fell. But it's also the same day in which Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, and God gave the world a covenant with Almighty God. That's why the Lord says to you and I, Don't worry about what you're gonna eat, where you're gonna sleep. That's what the that's what those who have no covenant have to worry about. He said, I give you, say me, me. say me, me. say me. me, I give you power in your hands to gain wealth. Why? Because I've already made a covenant with your fathers and I never go back on my word. And God says in the last days, he's gonna open up the windows of heaven and pour us out such a blessing. But listen to this. A proverb is a fool and his money are soon parted. I could go over statistics of people who have won the lottery, millions of dollars, and in a few years, they're worse off than they were when they won. Why? Because wisdom and wealth are synonymous. They go hand in hand, and God has that for us. Next week is an amazing appointed time. On God's appointed time. So we don't just pray for wealth. Wealth is good. Say it's good. it's good. There's a scripture that says money comes now. How many could use some money now? With all the things that are going on, we could use some money now. But if we have wealth, think about it, if we have If you have wealth, it doesn't matter how much of gas goes up. Right? There's no lack of money in the world. How many have ever been to Vegas? Raise your hand. Come on, don't lie. <laughs> I actually was going to, Tiz and I were in Portland one time, and, you know, when we first came, came out of the group we were in, we wouldn't even watch television. We weren't allowed to watch television or anything. And I was actually on a plane, Tiz and I were on a plane in Portland, flying to Vegas, because we were going there for a convention, and all the, we had a bunch of gypsies in our church wonderful people in our church and and every gypsy knows everybody so we're on a plane and the plane's loaded with gypsies going to Vegas and they're getting on going hey pastor larry going to vegas <laughs> and i'm go i said yeah I, I, i'm i'm going for a convention they're, yeah us too Come on Jesus. <laughs> you been to Vegas? What do they spend on those hotels? Billions. Billions. There's no lack of money in the world. But there is a promise of an end-time transfer of wealth that the wealth of the wicked will be put in the hands of the righteous. When you pray about what you're going to give next week, understand this. We're taking a, a first fruit offering, uh, as we always do. We're, we're up, I think, a million now just for Israel. Ethiopia for 50,000 meals. Uh, a month, the children, our orphanages, our feeding programs, our hospitals, all, all the things that, that you do. Understand this. Because you do this... God will open the window of heaven and pour out wisdom that is not natural. Wisdom that is divine. Because he will lead you and he will guide you and he will show you things to come. That includes, that includes the wealth of the wicked being put into the hands of the righteous. Do you you receive that? If you do, give the Lord a clap offering and say, Lord, I receive this. Stand with me all over the building. I want to pray for an anointing that will come on us. Think about the, the tabernacle of God. Now, there is no tabernacle now. It's gone. It's been torn down. Solomon's temple has been torn down. Herod's temple has been torn down. There's a question all the time of where are all the things that were in the temple where are they now well i think they're in rome if you go to rome you see titus's arch they always build a memorial to the victories that they had in any country and you go to to this day it's still there titus's arch it's engraved in stone showing the romans raiding the temple of God and walking out with the table of showbread, walking out with the menorah, walking out. So I I believe that's where it is. But you don't see anybody wearing a necklace or have on their wall the table of showbread or the incense. You only see what represents the faith of the Bible, the Jewish faith of the Bible, a menorah. Divine wisdom, the anointing of divine wisdom. God said, I will show you things that you can't come up in the natural. When I preach, when I teach, I study the Word of God, I cover my head, I pray, I prepare myself. God, show me things that I don't see in the natural. And God always opens my eyes. But it's not just the Holy Spirit for church. The Holy Spirit is to make you a father, a mother, a husband, a dad, a a wife, a businessman, a businesswoman. To lead you and guide you and teach you and show you amazing things. But part of that is wealth. If you're willing to be anointed for wealth, raise your hand. Now look at me. It's harder to tithe on a million dollars than it is to tithe on a hundred dollars. I'm going over to Herod's crowd. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is the warning. The warning is not God's against wealth. The warning is don't forget who gave it to you. Don't forget who gave it. It's harder to tithe on a million dollars than it is to tithe on a hundred dollars. Amen? So I'm saying that because we're going to see people, lives changed. We're going to see people that are going to come up with ideas and as Tiz always says, witty inventions and, and incredible wisdom on your job and bonuses and raises and everything. And... We need to give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands up. Say this out loud. Father, in my hands, right now, I have the power to gain wealth. You are not a God of just enough, but you are my God, Jehovah Jireh, of more than enough, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and overflowing. In Jesus' name, I receive an end-time anointing of divine wisdom that will lead me to divine wealth. And I vow I will give you always all the praise and all the glory. This anointing is not someday, but it's for me, my family, my finances, and my future today. I receive it. I walk in it. I live in it. I speak of it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you're anointed to gain wealth by God, give him a great big praise offer. Give him a praise offering.